I want to show you a picture this morning. Um, you know, I, do, do you th- have you ever had a time in your life or maybe multiple times where, where, your, where your spiritual life felt like that picture looks? Just a rainy day. Now, there's sometimes rainy days are an invite. You know, it's a good day if you're wanting to read or something. That's a good, good thing. But have you ever felt like that, like that guy right there looking out, looking out into a, a foggy, dismal, rainy day? Have you, ever, have you ever felt like that? Like, you know, you ever had times in your spiritual life where, where you, you know God is real? You don't doubt that for a second. You know Jesus came out of the grave. You don't doubt that for a second. You know the Holy Spirit is, is put out on the church. You don't doubt that for a second. The Word of God is the Word of God. You don't, you don't doubt that for a second. You know all of that is real, but God feels far away. You ever had that? I have. I have. And sometimes I've gone through seasons of that. I mean, really, seasons of that. Where I, where I, I remember in one of my lower points in my life when... When I was really uh, just struggling, to f- God felt far away. And I remember telling Michelle, Cole was a little boy. Gosh, he was probably three years old. And, and, uh, and, and I, I remember just being all twisted up for months. I mean, it just wouldn't leave me. It just, it just wouldn't leave me. And I told Michelle, I said, you know, this is what I don't understand. I said, I've got a three-year-old son up there, and he's asleep right now. I said, but I can tell you right now, if that little boy came down those stairs and he said, Daddy, talk to me, there's no way I'm not talking to him. I mean, there's no way. Daddy, I need tell me something. I said, so I don't understand. Jesus is as real. He's come out of the grave. But I would, and I remember telling Michelle, I would never do to him what I feel like God's doing to me. And that is just silence. And Michelle, in her own way. Actually, the first thing she said was, I've never heard you talk like that, and I'm leaving the room. Because <laughs> if God kills you, I don't want to be around. <laughs> you know, it's just, she's like, what is, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I'm just telling you. Like, there's times you ever felt like, God, hey. Well, today we're going, we're going to study that very issue. We're going to talk about what to do when you're spiritually spent. You ever been spiritually spent? Like, just done. I mean, over it. You were over it last month. Now you're just really mad. Or you're just tired. You're weary. You ever been weary? Weary's different than a good night's sleep. A good night's sleep won't cure weary, will it? No. A good night's sleep won't, won't cure weary. One of the things that we're going to do in this series on navigating strange days is, is we're going to do something. Now, I've said this to you before, and I can't encourage you enough. Study the saints. Study the saints. Go back. We're, we're doing that this whole series. We're going to go back. We're going to look at different people throughout the Bible. I do this all the time. I say, I look at now, what did he do? What did she do in that situation? What was it that she did that was different? Or what was it that she shouldn't have done that, that I can learn from her? What did he not do that he should have done? I, I look at those, kind of, compare it to the Word of God, and I, I begin to ask myself questions. We're going to study the saints, and today we're going to study David. I, don't, I can't imagine anybody that at times, was more spiritually spent than David, right? You know, David was running for his life. Saul was trying to kill him. 
I mean, this, this was a real deal. David was spiritually spent. I, I really be, let, let me show you a picture. I, I, this makes me think of David sometimes. I, I, you know, uh, you, you all got that on your car and, and RPM and, you know, your, where your engine's at. And, and uh, you know, you, you blew down there in the bottom on that, on that gauge. is just kind of cold and, and, you know, not ready yet. And then one through five or six, maybe even seven, is, is pretty, pretty warm. And then there's the eight, nine, and ten where you're about to blow a gasket, literally, right? And some, you know, a lot of people just kind of live between one and five. You know, I mean, they have their own struggles, but most people, the, the average person just kind of lives somewhere between one and five. Have you ever, have you ever had a friend that what, what I just call runs hot? Just, they just run hot. Like they're normal. Their normal is just, you know, eight. If they're not in a mess, they'll find one. You got people like that? Some of that, you're just doing that because that's you. You're just going, oh, I don't know who he's talking to. I don't want to look up right now. Right? All right? I just saw a wife while I go poke her husband right in, right in the ribs. That's God's way of saying, lighten up, sweetie. Right? That was, yeah, y'all are a little down this morning, I'm just going to tell you. Okay? So before I go on, don't make me pray again and do what I did with Alexis because I will. But that's true. People, sometimes people just run hot. Let me tell you something about David. I really do believe if you read all the Psalms, David just kind of ran hot. I mean, look, look at how many times you, you, you can always tell what kind of day he's having. By the way, he starts out the psalm. Oh, God, how beautiful are your thoughts. I mean, you're just amazing, God. I, I don't know where I would go without you. You're, you're the most amazing. And then there's some psalms you start out and he goes, I hate everybody. I want them all dead. I mean, and read it. I'm not making this up. One of my, one of, I think one of the most funny parts of Scripture, one of the honest, most human parts of Scripture, I think it's Psalm 139, where David spends like, you know, 192 verses going through how precious are your thoughts and how lovely are your thoughts. And then out of nowhere, very next verse, he says, Oh, how I hate your enemies. I wish you would kill all of them. I have nothing but hatred for them. And then the very next verse, search me, oh God, and see if there's any wicked way in me. I mean, that's funny. That guy just kind of ran hot. And he had high highs and low lows. And I don't, I'm not so sure that's not why we don't all love the Psalms. Because we can relate to those things. We can read it and go, hmm. Well, let's turn to Psalm 22. Because David's having one of those days. He's in the yellow. He might be trending closer to the red. Right? Now, this is a long psalm. And we, I, I can't read all of it. It would take too long. But Psalm 22, it's a, a psalm of David. Now, you're going to recognize these verse, the verses because Jesus quoted them at one point when he was down. David starts out in Psalm 22. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Boy, that's a big statement, isn't it? That's a big statement for a guy who God said he's a man after my own heart. It's pretty big, isn't it? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, and I have no rest. You ever had a hard time going to sleep because your soul was so heavy? I have. I have. And it'll happen again. And then David makes a turn there in verse 3. But you are holy and 
O you who are enthroned upon the praise of Israel, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and they were delivered. And you they trusted and they were not disappointed. But I'm a worm. I'm not a man. A reproach of men despised by people. See, David had a public and a private problem. He was running for his life trying to stay in the hidden private recesses of the world. But the, the people were out to get him. And he said, all, all who see me, they sneer at me. And they, they, they separate me with the, with the lip. And they wag their heads saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. and Let him rescue him because he delights in him. And yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb, and you made me trust when upon my mother's breasts. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Boy, I mean, that guy is spent, isn't he? So what do you do? What do you do when, when you're spiritually spent? I, 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 there's, there's a lot of... A lot of actions we could take, but I'll tell you the first action you can take when you're spiritually spent. Be honest with God. I'm serious. Be honest with God. So, some of you have a real difficult time saying to God how you feel, and the reason you have a tough time with that is because you hear that, that, that Sunday school teacher or that Bible study leader, or you hear your grandmother or your granddaddy or even maybe your mom or your daddy, you hear them say, now, you hear them saying things like this from the, your childhood. Now, don't you question God. Well, they did that in the, all throughout the scriptures. It, di it didn't make them bad people. It's just they were hurting, and when you're hurting, listen, you need, let me tell you something. Be honest with God. I promise you he can take it. I promise you he can take it. He really can. First of all, if you believe in a God that is sovereign, and I do to the furthest degree, then he already knows, right? Well, why don't you tell him? Hey, I'm kind of mad at you. See, there's something about honesty that clears the head. What do, they, what do they tell you in survival skills and survival courses, right? When you're lost, what's the first thing you do? Admit it. Admit you're lost. You know why they tell you that in survival school? Because you know what you'll do? You'll just keep walking in circles. You could be making the situation worse. Admit it. Gather yourself. Be honest with God. You know, you know, David had a real problem. God was far, but the enemy was near. And this wasn't metaphorically. I mean, the enemy was near. And if they found David, they were going to kill him. They were going to kill him. Listen, that's a little bit stressful. If I find you, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take you out, like as in for real. So, so David was running for his life, and he's asking God, where are you? But you know one thing I don't see from David? No kidding. You know one thing I don't see from David? I never see David feeling guilty about his emotions. I don't. I've never seen a place in the Psalms where I see David apologizing just for talking to God. Don't feel guilty about the way you feel. Now, you may need to repent about the way you feel. That may, there is a such thing as, uh, there's a difference between shame and guilt. The Bible talks about a guilt that leads to repentance. Guilt can be a good thing, but you need to be honest with God when you're hurting. Because I want to tell you, when you're really hurting, when you're honest with God, the thing about David that, 
that strikes me in this psalm is it wasn't about faith. See, there's, thing, there's this thing inside you. There's this internal voice inside you that tells you that if you're honest with God and you're mad and you're frustrated, then you obviously don't have enough faith. And this was never about faith. David had plenty of faith. David was full of faith. He really was. It is entirely possible, friends, listen to me. This is a word of liberation for some of you today. It it is entirely possible to be full of faith and disoriented, right? It really is. It's entirely possible that you can be full of faith but disoriented, right? Sometimes life smacks you pretty hard, right? Life smacks you pretty hard. You know, I, I remember... When, uh, when I boxed for that illustrious career that I had in boxing, uh, which lasted too long, um, all of like 10 months. Uh, but, but I remember if there's one thing boxing helped me with, it helped me learn to take a punch. Because there's something really disorienting about somebody hitting you in the face. Even if they don't knock you down. Even if it doesn't hurt that much. I remember the first time I got in the ring and this guy hit me. I'm like, he just hit me. He just hit me again. He just hit me again. I need to do something. He just hit me again. Right? There's, there, and it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't like he was knocking me out. It was just setup jabs. You know? And, and sometimes, life, sometimes things do that. Life does that to you. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. But there's, there's, you need to be honest with God. You need to be honest with God. It's the first step to, to getting out of being weary, I, I believe. But I want to say something to you, and I wrote this down so I'd say it the right way. In your honesty, remember that truth overrides emotions. Don't forget that. In your honesty with God, just don't forget that what you feel is real. Listen to me, friends. What you, listen to me out there if you're watching at home or listening on a podcast. Listen to me. What you feel is real, but it may not be the truth. What you feel is real, but it may not be the truth. David said, you have forsaken me. He really did feel that, but he also knew better. He knew better. But he was just honest about it. So make sure that truth overrides the emotions. And let me, I'm going to tell you how to do that. Because you know what? Pretty interesting. Pretty quick. David does this very thing. Remember God's favor in the past. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. By the way, if, if, let, me, let me tell you something. I'm all for us putting scriptures up there. We do that from time to time just to help you see it and that kind of thing. But I want to tell you something. And, I, and don't, don't think for a second I'm, I'm being uh, hard on anybody. I'm not. And I'm not, I don't have anybody in mind when I say this. But I'm going to tell you, every time, Christians, listen to me. Every time you come to the house of God, there's two things you need. Actually, there's three. All right? You need the Word of God in your hand. You need a pen, and you need a piece of paper in that Word of God. And let me tell you why. There's been many times God did not speak to me through the preacher. Right? Now, that never happens here, but it's happened to me in the past. All right? There's been many times I'll be singing a song, worshiping the Lord, and he'll speak to me about something. Hey, you need to talk to this person. Hey, Jason. That thing you've been all in a knot over, a verse will come to mind. But if I don't write that down, I'm going to lose it. When you come to the house of God, bring the word of God, bring the pen of God and the paper of God, and I mean, buddy, get ready. All right? So, so David, David does something right here. 
I want you to write this down to remember. You've heard me say this maybe a hundred times. I'm going to keep telling it to you. If you read the Old and the New Testament, you will find that one of the first things the people of God did when they prayed is they recounted God's faithfulness in the past. It is everywhere in the prayers of the Bible. It is everywhere. When, when the, go, go just start, start, keep an eye out for it, like, like a lens, you know, keep a lens out for it. Go, go read, especially the Old Testament people, when they would pray. Man, the, the Old Testament Jew was just, I mean, they had this down, buddy. When they would pray to God, their first few sentences would often have nothing to do with the situation. It would have everything to do with the God they were praying to, right? Come on. I mean, that's, I'm a little bit excited. I, I almost went full-blown on you right there. I'm telling you, that, that, that's a big deal. Because they knew who they were praying to. Why? They had seen him split the sea. They had seen his miracles in the past. So what, is David, what did David do? Look at what he says. No, verse 3. Right after saying, you don't answer me, he says, but you are holy. Now, how do you go from, you won't talk to me, to you are holy. Nobody's watching. Nobody's looking. He has nothing to gain by giving what we would call in Baptist life a Sunday school answer. He's got nothing to gain from that. There was something inside of him that knew who he was talking to, right? Look at what he says. He says, but you are holy. You are enthroned upon the praises of Israel Verse 4, in you our fathers trusted and you delivered them. They cried out and they were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Hey, where do you think he learned that? You think he learned that in seminary? How did he know? Listen to me. Listen to me, friends. How do you, seriously, this isn't even in my notes, man. This is really really good stuff right here. Just hit me as I was reading that just now. How do you think he learned that? Because of the testifying of God's people. They were an oral culture. They weren't a written culture. They passed down stories over and over and over. That's how people knew. That's how they learned. That's how they recounted. So how did David know that when his forefathers cried out and God delivered them, somebody told him that? What did God do in the Old Testament, man? How often did he say this? Build an altar. When you cross the river, build an altar. When you go here, build an altar. Stack up 12 stones. Build an altar and call it Bethel. Why did he do that? More often than not, you'll see a verse somewhere near that that says, so that when your children ask. But it, was, it wasn't just for your children. It was so that every time you told the story, you didn't forget that God was just the same God back there as he is right now when I feel like he's far away. Amen? He's the same God. Man, let me tell you something. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. David David did that. He did that. Now, I told you, 
You know, uh, we, we, were, we were going to talk a, a lot about the idea of, of Hebrews 12. Let's look, look at these verses, all right? Well, we're going to learn this. We're going to talk about this every week. Paul said, uh, we, we think it's Paul. The writer of Hebrews, we, we think it was Paul, but for, we're just going to call it the writer because we're not 100% sure. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight, every encumbrance, and the sin that easily entangles, and what? Let us run how? With endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The author, he's the story writer and the perfecter of our faith. He'll bring it to perfection. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of God, at the throne of God Jesus has, has sat down. Why do we need to remember? Why? Why do we need to remember God's favor and God's, God's total favor on our lives in the past? I'll tell you why. Because pain distorts reality, doesn't it? Pain distorts reality. It really does. Pain will make you selfish in about 0.2 seconds, right? They don't act, sit out there looking so holy, all right? Like this has never happened to you, all right? You know, that was, that was, I was just jabbing at you. Boy, I don't know what it is with y'all today. Yeah, y'all, y'all need to lighten up. The joy of the Lord will be our strength. So, so what is it? When you're, when you're down and when you're hurting and you're mad, what does it do? It colors the lenses of everything, doesn't it? I mean, how many times have you snapped at your kids because of the day you had at work? I mean, your daughter's got nothing to do with the vice president or the CFO, or the marketing agent that you had to sit with in that long sales meeting, or that vendor that canceled and said, we're not going to renew the contract next year. But who, who took the beating? Your seven-year-old daughter. Because she didn't, you know, put her plate back right or something. I mean, I've never done that. But I hear about people saying that they have. No, it's the reality, Right? So I want to show you all something. Now, I'm, I'm going to get into a little bit of my personal life here. I, I don't mind. It's part of the, part of the job, I think, actually. <clears throat> I, try to, I, try to mix up, um, I try to mix up my, my approaches to my, my time with God. And I don't want to just call it my quiet time. But uh, I want to show you. This is um, that's, that's some old stationery that I had. And I use them now as just scratch pads. And, but I, I took a picture of that this week. And that is, uh, that's kind of a little system I've been using lately uh, as I go before the Lord. And, and, and for those of you listening, driving down the road, the, 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 this is kind of a little, little framework. And I didn't read it in a book. I just kind of put it together uh, real quick to, to kind of reorient and change up my, the way I approach God. And the first thing I, I've been going to God with lately is my calling. What is my calling? Let me tell you why I do that. Because in a world full of distractions and in a world full of chaos, you need to know exactly what God's called you to. That's why we talk about it so much at Clearview. Because if you're not careful, have you ever noticed that every, you know, I talked to, I bumped into somebody the other day in the grocery store. So they were spending about six to seven hours a day on Zoom. And my question was, and I hear that from most people in the corporate sector, by the way. I hear most of you are like sitting, sitting on Zoom, you know, for six, seven hours a day, meeting, going from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. And I asked this, I said, hey, I asked her, I said, 
when do you get to do anything? I mean, when do you get to like move the ball? It, because I think right now, at least from what I'm hearing from so many of you in the corporate space, since we don't really know what to do and since the goalposts are moving all the time, the answer has been meeting request. And, and so I'm not poking fun at him. I, I get it. We, we don't really know. Sometimes it's so disorienting right now in, in our whole world. And so what, what do you got to do, man? Let me tell you. You think it doesn't matter every day when you get up, and it may just take five or ten seconds. God, you have called me to. Mm. It sets the tone, doesn't it? Sets the tone. And then I, I go into my strategy. I'm still working on that one. Then I, I'll tell you what I do. I praise God for the good. I want to tell you something. There's something unique about speaking the faithfulness of God into your life. Amen? I'm telling you, there's something. Some of you, I'm telling you, you need to speak the favor that God's had on your life. Praise him. And if you can't find a reason, just praise him for being saved. I'm serious. If you can't think, and there's times I sit before the Lord and I'm like, whew, I mean, I'm like really struggling to be creative here. And you know what my mind will say? Just praise God for redeeming me. And man, it'll open up stuff. I was going to hell. I didn't know Jesus. I was going to stand and account for my own sins. And the, the power of God came on my life. Jesus, I, I, somebody told me about this Jesus that had died on a cross for me and how I needed to repent, and I did, and the Holy Spirit came into my life, and here I am. Praise God. I'm telling you, it's pretty good. And then, and then, I, then I'll tell you the fourth thing I do. I do this all the time. Rebuke foul spirits. Say, Jason, what in the world is that? Well, this is what I know. When I read the Bible, especially the New Testament, it tells me that this is a spiritually charged world. There are things going on in the heavenlies. There are things the Bible talks about. Paul talks about principalities and dominions and rulers in the heavenlies. And I know that Jesus told me in John 10, 10, that I, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus wouldn't have told me that if I didn't have a thief coming after me. Amen? Amen. He wouldn't have told me that if I didn't have a thief coming after me. So I know that I, every day, whether I want him to or not, whether I would, where I think, oh, that's just crazy hocus pocus, doesn't change the reality that it's real. And what's real is that there is a devil and there is an enemy. But I'm going to tell you something. One of the chief things the devil is, is he is a liar. He is a liar. And he will lie to me in so many creative ways. And there's times. Have you ever thought about it? What happened? What happened right out of the gate? You think this was an accident? What's the first thing in the fall of man? He lied to Eve. And she bought it. Right? It framed up how she looked at everything. Because lies do that. So you know one of the first things I do often, during that, I, try to, I try to remind myself uh, often throughout the day, God, I detach my, any, any foul spirit. The other day I was praying about something and I just started, I told you this was a little bit transparent. You're like, I don't know if I want to go to church here or not. You know, well, okay, there's a lot you can choose from. But you're stuck with me. I may not be. John Bassanio told me one time, he, had, he said, I had some people come to me one time, and they were really upset at First Baptist Houston. And he said, I told them this. I may not be the pastor you want, but I'm the only one you got. So there you go. 
praise God for John. So what I've learned is there's times you have to speak out loud and rebuke the enemy. You have to cancel any agreements. You have to separate yourself and call on the God that made you. And then, then I go, I notice I do all that before I'm getting into the Word of God, right? I'm, and that, 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 may only take, that may only take two or three minutes to get to that point. But I'm, then I'm going to get in the Word of God. Then I'm going to sit and I'm going to abide with God. And I'm, that leads me into what I want to tell you. If you want to move through a disoriented times when you're spiritually spent, be honest with God. Call on God's faithfulness. But I'm going to tell you, this is the chief among them all, friends. This is the chief among them all. You ready for this? If you want to get your life in, in framed up in who God is, do this consistently, right? Consistently put yourself in God's presence. Consistently put yourself in God's presence. Now, what I told you we're going to study the saints, right? So what did, what did David do? Now, I, I didn't, notice I didn't say just go to church. This only happens once a week. I'm talking about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit abiding, staying there. Look at what David said in Psalm 119. This is Psalm 119, verse 147. He said, notice the the bookends of the day. I I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night. He just thought about morning and night. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I might meditate on your promise. Now keep that up there for a minute. I rise before dawn and I cry out. That, that means I, it doesn't mean he's weeping. He's saying, no, I'm going to God. I'm going to God early, first thing. And at nighttime, I'm going, I'm, I'm putting my mind back there again. He said, I, I meditate on your promise. I meditate. Let me tell you what meditation is. Meditation is not just sitting. It is not just sitting quietly. I mean, that's, that's could be, that, could, that could be part of it, but that's not, what, that's not the biblical idea. It's not what Jesus talked about when he talked about abiding. I've studied abiding quite a bit on my own. You know why? I can't hardly find a theologian that'll touch it. I mean, really. I can't, I can't, hard, I can't hardly find uh, 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 commentaries, books. It's very hard to find. You know why? Because we don't, we, we don't, exactly understand, I think, sometimes to abide. But I'm going to tell you, listen to me closely. Abiding is not about stillness of motion. It's not what it's about. It's, it's about keeping yourself somewhere. Okay? Keeping yourself somewhere. It may be driving down the road. It may be in a meeting with other executives. It may be in a, you know, a parent-teacher conference. It may be there in your cubicle. It could be there as you're working from home by yourself. It could be when you're running down the road doing your six-mile run for that day. It could be when you're on the elliptical. It could be when you're playing music. For those of you that are musicians, abiding is about keeping yourself somewhere. And and notice what Jesus said. If you you go back, if you want to write this down, Jesus said in John 15, 4, abide in me and I'll abide in you. All right? Abide in me and I'll abide in you, John 15, 4. But notice how Jesus ends that. These things I've spoken to you that your joy 
will be complete. That my joy will be in you and that your joy will be complete. He attached joy, are you with me? He attached joy to abiding. Isn't that interesting? Keeping yourself somewhere. Keeping yourself somewhere. So I, I want to I wanna, I wanna do something real quick. I got, I'm going to have to walk off camera here for just a minute. Um, let, me, let me show you. I'm going to work really hard not to get this all over the place. All right. Boy, what's, you know, we, we never really get out of kindergarten. You know, many, most of you haven't listened to a word I've said, but when I bring out the props, man, you're sitting up. It's awesome. I love it. I'm just joking. All right. So let, let, let me show you something. <clears throat> Pulled this out of uh, our cabinet. I, I don't really even know what, what we use this for, uh, but it's some type of topping stuff. So, so this, this is just clear water, right? Which uh, I'll just keep it right there. I don't know if we have a tight angle today or not, but if we do, I'm just going to keep it right there. So this is just a glass of water is all it is. But if I take this, it's, there's no, there's, it's just clear, clear as everything. Just put, a, just put a little bit in. I didn't even have to put a, I didn't even, I didn't even use one-tenth. Boy, I don't, I don't even have to stir it. Look at that. Pretty soon, is it, we'll get this all over Zach's pedals up here. Zach's got more pedals than a dump truck up here. That's what happens when you're not good at the guitar. You just get buttons and you just, that was pretty good. I just thought of that. That's for sending me cranky text messages, Zach. Um, so I don't care. I ain't, I ain't worried about him. I'm older than him and I carry a knife. Um, so, so all of a sudden... Do you notice how that clear water is tainted with whatever color I put in it? Same thing, right? If I want to go blue. I didn't even think about it when I was doing this, but I'm like Republican and Democrat up here. I'm, not, I'm, I'm all set up, buddy. I'm not exempting anybody today, am I? Look at that. Whatever I put in that thing, it, just, it takes on the shape, doesn't it? Just that simple. So, Jason, what, 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 what are you wasting my time on that for this morning? I'm not wasting your time. What, what's this about? Well, David said that he meditated, right? It means to kind of linger longer is what it means, just to, just to, to linger longer. So if I'm, if I'm supposed to meditate, if I'm, if I'm supposed to abide on the word of God and the person of God and the power of God, why? Why is that the case? Because whatever, whatever I put in the story of my life will become the story of my life. Amen? Whatever, what did, what did we just see Hebrews say? Jesus is what? The author. He's the pen writer. He's the narrative giver. And so, let me tell you, no kidding. Whoever you've got, you ready for this? Whoever you've got playing in the background of your day all the time, don't be shocked if that doesn't continue to frame up the way you see life. Whatever you're letting pour into your soul, don't be shocked if you take on the narrative of whatever color is coloring the lenses that you look at life in. Let me tell you, some of you right now, I'm not joking. There's nothing bad about it. I'm just saying, some of you, the best 
most holy things some of you could do. Watch it at home. It's right here. Some of the most holy things that some of you could do is turn off the news. Turn it off. I didn't say don't watch it. I didn't say that. But some of you got Fox News playing 24-7. No wonder you're jacked up. Some of you got Wolf Blitzer in your ear all day long. No wonder you're just twisted apart. Some of you are, you're, if you're, you're bouncing from Fox to CNN to, to Newsmax and you're going, all that, I didn't say anything's wrong with it. I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. I'm saying when, you, when that is the diet of your day, and then after that, do you go to the Word of God? No. You go to Facebook where you can see everybody else's jacked up life and what they're mad about. You know, school policies, presidents and vice presidents and conspiracy theories. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that's all. I'm just telling you, when you meditate on that, that's what you're going to get. Your soul's going to be depressed. I'm telling you that the Lord has put this strong on my heart, if you can't tell. The Lord has put this strong on my heart for weeks. Some of you students... You're, you're constantly looking at Instagram. Nothing's wrong with Instagram, but there is something wrong with Instagram when it's the steady diet of your day. Parents, adults, 50-somethings, nothing's wrong with Facebook, but there is something wrong with it when it is the steady diet of your day. Linger longer with the author of our faith. And I promise you, you won't be as twisted up. You won't. I, I really do wonder. I've had this thought a lot about why is why is the church so so polarized right now? Why is the nation so polarized? Why are Christians so worried right now and fearful right now? Why? I didn't say cautious. Not, I didn't say cautious. Why, why do I? You've got them. I've got them. People that, that are believers in Christ, absolutely scared to death. Why? Because the narrative giver of their life is the media sources of this world. And I'm telling you, friend, look at it. Pay attention to some of it. Don't believe most of it. Of any of it. But you can always believe this. You can always believe this. It comes down, friends, to who your authority is. Who's your authority? Please understand, I'm not knocking you if you're a news hound. My wife's a news hound, man. She knows more about what's going on in Kazakhstan than I. I can even spell it. She loves the news. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying to you, linger longer on the author and the perfecter of our faith because there is a connection. There is a connection between joy and where you keep yourself. So look at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 16. Man, I love it. Gosh, I love John 14, 15, and 16. I've learned more about the Holy Spirit in those three chapters than maybe any other place, right? And there in Romans 8. So, so it says when, when he, he's talking about the, the Spirit of truth. Now, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit right here, okay? Now, I underlined these so you'd see them. I'm going to read the verse to you in full. But when he, Jesus said, the Spirit of truth comes, 
When I, when I send him, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, that is, he'll speak whatever he hears from the Father, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come, and he will glorify me, and he will take of mine, and he will disclose it to you. There's a lot there. But look at what it says. When the spirit of truth, now, by the way, the Bible says that if you're in Christ, that you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, right? Amen? Amen. Praise God. He said, I wouldn't leave you orphans. He didn't. So he, he, he's given you the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, when the spirit of truth comes, what's he going to do? Well, first, he's going to guide you. But what's he going to guide you into? More lies, more, more controversy, more confusion? No, he's going to guide you into more truth. And he won't speak what, what he what he hears, he'll only speak what he hears from the Father, and he's going to disclose. You see, let me, let me t- man, listen, boy, I could, I could run off on this for a minute. All, 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 these, all these theologians out there that say the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and all that, it's all shut down and deceased. Well, I, I really wonder if they've ever read this, because there's no verse in here that tells me the Holy Spirit quit disclosing. Now, the Word of God is final. It is complete. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. It is locked in tight and snapped full shut. But within that Word of God, it tells me the Holy Spirit discloses things to me. Now, you can't disclose something that's already known. How many times have you been going throughout your day? For for those of you that are moms, for those of you that are moms, how many times have you been going throughout your day and all of a sudden, your son or daughter comes across your soul. And then they come home, and you're like, I knew it. I knew it. You started praying for them. That's the Holy Spirit. See, that's not the spirit of the world. The Holy Spirit does that. How many times you, you've been having a situation, fellas, in your life, those of you that walk with God, and, and the Lord tells you, hey, don't tell that to him. Don't speak to that person about that. It's not ready yet. That's the Holy Spirit. So you've got the Holy Spirit in you, and he'll disclose things to you. And my, my heartfelt prayer for you, friends, is that, that you put yourself in that arena, in that arena, that you put yourself in that arena, that, you, that you, if you want to get out of being spiritually miserable or spiritually exhausted or spiritually weary, we're all, we all going to hit that. We're going to be there many times in life. But if you want to pull out of that, you cannot do it with tools that pop culture gives you. You can only do that with the tools that God gives you. And there's no greater tool that God has given you than himself. He's given you himself. To put in the, in the presence of God. It's why, if you look in Psalm 22, it's why in verse 22 of Psalm 22, David makes a strange turn right here. Took me a while to kind of, I had to look at all of David's life to kind of understand it. In Psalm 22, 22, David, he's asking God to save him. He's asking God, my, you know, my strength is dried up. My, I can literally see my bones in verse 14. My bones are out of joint. I mean, he was physically messed up. He was running for his life. And then... He asked God in verse 19, don't be far from me. Verse 20, deliver my life. Verse 21, save me from the line that wants to to kill me. And then in verse 22, he makes a strange turn. I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I'll praise you. 
David longed for the presence of God. And he longed for the people of God. He was by himself. He was isolated. In the most real way, he was quarantined, not by choice. He was put out by himself. He longed. That's why David makes statements multiple times through the Old Testament, through the Psalms, about better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. Why? David longed for the presence of God. He longed for the people of God. Now, why? Why would David want to put himself in the presence of God with other believers and the people of God? Why? Why is it that what we're doing right here is so critical? Why? Why is it so critical? I'll tell you why it's so critical. Because you cannot get life from things that are full of death. You can't. You can't expect life-giving to come from things that aren't alive. And so for us, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that our body is decaying, but our inward man, what did Paul say, is being renewed what? Day by day. Day by day. My inward man's being renewed day by day. So that's why putting yourself in the presence of God matters so much because you're going to get life from who? The life giver. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the life giver. So if you want to find your feet back on solid ground, be honest with God. Remember God's favor in the past, but whatever you do, friend, linger longer in the presence of God and put yourself, you have control over that. Put yourself in the presence of God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, your story is going to begin to change. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world. Is sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'll be surprised how far it goes.